following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church in Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. Happy New Year's, everybody. Woo! Yeah! We excited? New Year? Yeah? I can feel the enthusiasm. This is going to be an amazing year. Wow. Wow. All right. Well, I'm going to have a talk. Hopefully it hits you somehow and it helps you this year. Um, it's from the Bible. We like to preach from the Bible. That's, uh, whoa, this is like falling apart. Um, but uh, we are going to look, be looking at, at Luke 14 today, but we are in a series called Rhythm or Blues. And by the way, if you're new here, my name is Josh. I'm a pastor here at Canyon Ridge. I usually give the talk up here. But uh, Rhythm or Blues is the series we're in. And Rhythm or Blues is, is kind of this concept of we got to live our lives in rhythm. If we don't live our lives in rhythm, then we'll experience the blues. And a rhythm is just a regular, repeated, intentional action that we take to be able to, to work towards a purpose. It's regular. There's certain intervals, whether daily or weekly or monthly or yearly. It's repeated. It's the same time after time, and it's intentional. There's a purpose that we're doing this for. It's not just a dead ritual or dead routine. There's a purpose for it. And so we're looking at some rhythms that we should live as Christians and to live the Christian life and to experience all that Jesus came to bring us and to, to live the life that Jesus has called us to. So last week we talked about um, we needed to have a reason for our rhythm. We looked at vision a little bit. This week I wanted to look at our, there's a routine as our rhythm. And we're going to be looking at that because Jesus has called us to do some practical things. Jesus has called us to, to live a life. We're, we're not just supposed to be people that are students. We're supposed to be followers of Jesus. That's what he asked us to do. He said, follow me. That's what he commanded us to do. He said, follow me. Not just learn from me, not just know a bunch of good stuff, but actually do some things. And so our faith is very practical. So we're looking at some practical things. James 1 says, don't just be hearers of the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So we've got to do what it says. There's, there's two extremes in faith that we need to guard ourselves against. One is the extreme of just being over-spiritual, that everything is, is just about heaven, nothing is about this world, nothing is about what we're doing, everything is in the abstract, and, and just over-spiritualizing everything. Our faith is about feeling better and, and about escaping the world and, and so not, not being here. On the other extreme is, is just making everything about this world and everything about our lives. Uh, and so that it's not even really faith, it's just a positive mental attitude. And so we've got to guard ourselves against those two extremes because Jesus is the basis. He is the one in whom we find love and power and, and self-control. But then Jesus calls us to do some things. You know, there, the... the this earth is not our home. It's not our, our eternal place. We're going to go off as, as followers of Jesus into a, a heaven to be with Jesus. But we even, so even though this is in our home, we shouldn't trash the guest house. This is our, our, our place that we, God has called us for here and now. So we've got to learn how to do some things. So we're going to be looking at a very practical scripture today in Luke 14, verses 28 to 33. Um, if you want, you can follow along with me. 
Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. The title of my talk today is Count the Cost. We've got to count the cost because Jesus in this parable, he's talking about, it's in the context of discipleship, and he's talking about how there's these two people with a purpose in their life, and they want to do something, and, but Jesus says the very next thing that they're called to do is to sit down and plan. They need to sit down and plan what they're going to do. And, and the, the word in verse 33, uh, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. That, that word for everything it's really, it's, it's, it's really three words. It's for all, and, and then it's under the head, or the first, or the chief. And so it's talking about how can we put everything, all of our lives, under the lordship of Jesus? How can we make him the highest priority in our life? What, what should we do? This is the context that Jesus is talking about. And I know for me, He's, he's saying, well, for all of us, he's saying that if you want to follow Jesus, you have to plan. I know for me, a couple um, weeks ago, I wanted to plan to go on a hike with my family. We, went, we wanted to go check out the Foothills Trail. Now, if any of you know Foothills Trail, it's a cool trail. It's paved, and so we were able to take some like bikes and stuff on it. And so I had this idea in my head of going to the Foothills Trail and going hiking with my family, having a great day hiking with them. So, you know, we stayed up a little bit late the, the, the night before, and so we woke up late the day of, and my family, they, I'd kind of mentioned it, but they'd kind of lost, slipped out of their mind, and so I wanted them to come, and it got, it was beginning to be later in the day, and um, I, I was trying to get everybody to go, and trying to get everybody in the car out, and it was taking a lot longer than I had wanted it to. I don't know if you've, any of you have ever experienced this, but I was, I was getting frustrated. I was getting frustrated because here it was, I had my perfect idea of us, how we're going to spend time together as a family, yet my family wasn't following in line, and so get in the kids' car, we're going to have, get, in the, get the kids in the car, we're going to have a great time. You better have a great time. That's how it was. It's just, just stop, shut up. Get to the car. Stop fighting. We're going to have a great time. And that's what I wanted. I wanted us to have a great time together. And, and then my wife, uh, I, I was relying on her to take her phone um, because my, I told her that my phone wasn't charged. And so uh, she, she needed to take her phone because we, we'd never been there before. So we ended up driving around getting lost in Puyallup. I know it's not that hard to find, but, you know, it's, I had trouble finding it. And so... <laughs> We ended up getting there late. It was like, like dusk almost, and we ended up like going for a little ways and coming back. And my, I was getting angry at my wife, too, and she said to me something that I think was, was really true. She said to me, Josh, don't blame me for you not charging your phone, <laughs> right? And, I, and I, I, I got in my head, I just got this phrase, I am choosing to do this. I am choosing to be this way. 
I was blaming other people, but really it was my fault. I, I had, was not clear with my family that we needed to wake up, go to sleep earlier so we could wake up earlier. I had not charged my iPhone. I had not planned ahead. And so I was not a good follower of Jesus, not a good role model to my family in that instant. And so discipleship is about practical things. We, people don't stumble into a great faith. People don't stumble into a great marriage. People don't stumble and say, wow, wake up and all of a sudden I have a great purpose. You know, maybe people will wake up and win the lottery, but people don't stumble into the more meaningful things of life. We've got to be intentional. So my main idea is this. We need to set rhythms to count the cost of our commitments rather than stumbling into or reacting to life. See, Jesus was talking in the context of discipleship that you've got to take time to sit down and plan. Too often, we, we let distractions or demands or even our own desires begin to waylay us, begin to deter us from the, the calling that God has for our lives. And because a lot of times, it's because we didn't take the time to plan and think through what God wants to do. This, this time of year is a time of year where, where all of us are more open to, to changing our lives, to setting new rhythms in our life. And I want to suggest to you today that one rhythm that we need to set is a rhythm of, of planning, but not just planning in, in terms of business, but incorporating God as a part of our planning. Yeah. And so uh, this, this takes a lot of different ways. For one, it, it can start moment by moment. It's little decisions that lead us to the places where we are. Again, nobody, you, may, you might not be able to stumble or into success, but you can stumble into sin. People can wake up one day and, and, and say, and all of a sudden they're an addict. Uh, but no, it wasn't that they thought years ago, hey, someday I'm going to be an addict. I think I'll be an addict someday. So they're intentional about their choices to become an addict. Or no newlywed couple ever woke up and said, hey, in a few years we're going to get divorced. But they can stumble into it because it's the little decisions in our lives that can lead us astray. Jesus says in Mark 1.15, the time has come, he said. <laughs> time has come to get a new stand. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. He's saying that word for time in, in that is, is kairos. It's the Greek word, a Greek word for time. There's chronos and kairos. Chronos is like, like, hey, like 12 o'clock, February, chronological time. Kairos is more like, like the opportunity of the moment, the, um, the opportunity of a lifetime, the opportunity of, 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 of recognizing the opportunity in the moment. And so he is saying, he's not saying the time has come. He's not saying it's 12 o'clock, so now you've got to repent and believe the good news. He's saying the time has come. In other words, there is, this is the opportunity. We've got to recognize the, that God is working in our lives and that there's a spiritual opportunity here for us to follow God's leading in our lives. And so we can take that opportunity. How do we recognize the moment? How do we recognize the opportunity in us? For one, there was an Air Force colonel that um, any, any military people in here? Any military people? Raise your hands. You might know the OODA loop, the OODA loop. Does anybody, does that recognize anybody, any military people? Um, so Air Force, an Air Force colonel developed this for fighter pilots, and it's, it's OODA, O-O-D-A. And the, the O, first O, stands for observe. 
So when the pilot, when he was going into enemy territory, he would observe his surroundings. He'd, he would have already observed the culture. He would have already observed kind of the layout of the land. He would make his observations. So then he would form a picture of what that would be. And so he was observing things. As, as Christians, every day we face battles. And usually the battles is in ourselves. The enemy is in a me. It's in me. I am my own worst enemy sometimes, as my story has shown. And um, we, we've got to observe not only our external environment, the external surroundings, we've got to observe our internal environment. What are we feeling? What, what's, what's going on in our life? What's, what are our thoughts? That, that, what are the thoughts that we're thinking? What are the things that, that God is, is, t- that is working in us that, that we might be resisting and, and pushing against? We've got to observe those things. And then the, the second O is orient. We've got to, the pilot would orient him or herself to the situation. So they would form a picture in their mind based on what they've observed, and they would orient that then to the reality of their, their training as a fighter pilot. Okay, given this situation, given what I'm experiencing right now, and given the teachings that I've learned, what am I called to do? And I think as Christians, too, we've got to take, okay, this is the way I'm feeling right now. Right now, I'm feeling tempted. Right now, I'm feeling like I want to respond against this offense against me. Right now, I'm feeling like, like I want to react to that distraction, and, and I want to watch YouTube, or I want to go on Facebook, um, some of those things. So those are the different ways that we can feel inside. Okay, well, now we've got to orient ourselves. What has Jesus called us to do in the midst of those situations? This is where it helps to remember scripture. When Jesus, when he was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, he, he went out and he had scripture to respond to, to his enemy. We've got to have scripture that, that is the promises of God. We've got to memorize the promises of God so that we can speak those out. Because if we don't, we'll live by our impulses and not by the calling of God in our lives. And that's how we get led astray. And then the, the, the third one, the D, is decide. We've got to observe orient and decide. And so the the pilots, they would take what they've observed, they would take the picture that they formed, and then they would say, okay, what are my courses of action here? And they would decide which course of action seems to be the best. More than a decision, Christians, as Christians, we need a precision. We need to be precise and to know what is the mark that we're going to hit, but also a a precision. We've got to know before the, the, the temptation before the, um, the offense, before the, the response, before the, the distraction comes, we've got to say this is what we are going to do in the midst of that. When it, before the, the temptation go, comes, I know I'm going to walk away. Before the offense comes and before my response wells up in me to just react and to, to give them the, the best I got, before that happens, I'm going to forgive them. Before the, the distraction comes, I'm going to wear noise-canceling headphones or whatever, whatever we're going to wear, that we're going to make a precision. So we're going to decide before what we're going to do about that. And then finally, we have to act. The pilots, they can't fear. They can't fret. They've just got to act. And as Christians, we've got to act to what God would have us do, um, what he would call us to do. Oftentimes, we, we, we react to life. We just react to whatever is coming our way. And so we've got to learn how, do we, how can we respond, not react. Um, and say, like I did in, in my, my example, say, I choose my response. 
we sometimes we say, oh, you're making me mad. But you're choosing to be mad in that moment. Or sometimes um, you're saying, oh, this, the circumstances happen and, and that's the reason why I'm here. We can blame all sorts of things, but when we start, when we say in our mind, I choose to do this, I choose to respond this way, I choose to be this way, then all of a sudden it changes our thinking to realize, okay, I have the power to choose differently. I have the power because I, I, have, I have God in me. We have a God of infinite resources, a God that is the creator of the universe. How can we say that we don't have the power to choose in a situation when God is with us, when God is for us, when God can be in us? We have a greater power. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So I have the power to choose in each and every situation what my response is going to be. So I'm going to choose that one, one pastor says it this way, the opportunity of a lifetime is seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. That there is a short window so often in our lives that we've got to be able to observe, orient, decide, and act. And that's a quick thing that we do. And it's something that we've, we've trained ourselves on. We know what, how we're going to respond in certain situations. And so we're not going to let little decisions lead us astray and lead us to stumble into sin, but we're going to make that choice. We're going to make that decision ahead of time to say, I'm going to do what God has called me to do. Uh, and I, lo- I love this way too. Uh, another pastor said it. He said, you make your choices and then your choices make you. We have to be ones that are are intentional about our decision-making. And we've got to take time, even if it's just a couple seconds, to say, okay, what's the observation? How do I orient myself to the reality of Jesus in this situation? What's my decision or my precision? And how am I going to act? And that way, we're going to be more intentional with, with with where we end up in our lives. See, but then there's also, um, which just came out of a great song in the 60s, um, Ecclesiastes 3.1, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. See, so there's not just moments of opportunity, but there's whole seasons of opportunity. So this is a season like that right now. This is a season of opportunity that we're in, in this New Year's time. It's a couple weeks, maybe a month, where we get to say, okay, what are the rhythms that I'm going to set for this year? What am I going to do to change myself? And so we're open. Our hearts are open. We're not just running on, on repeat, you know, running on, okay, same thing, same thing. We have a, new, a chance to think about what are the rhythms that I'm going to reset myself to for this year. And so we're open to things, but often our resolutions don't happen. I have saw a stat, something like 9% of people will actually keep their resolutions. How they figured that out, I don't know, but it sounds really good. Uh, but um, in verses 29 to 30, Jesus says, For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. You see, they laid a foundation, but they couldn't finish. And they couldn't finish, there was no fruit. What happened in the middle there is that they lacked a, a pattern. They lacked a, they, a taking advantage of a season in their life to be able to make a difference. So we've got to observe our patterns. We've got to observe our patterns. Not only are there momentary decisions that we make, moment-by-moment decisions, but there's patterns of decisions, patterns of behavior that we make. Too often, we don't live up to our New Year's resolutions because um, a resolution without a routine is like a Ferrari without fuel. 
It looks impressive, but it's not going to take you anywhere. See, a, a resolution can't change what a routine created. We've got to have a routine in our life that gives us the results that we're looking for. You can't change by resolve what routine has created in your life. So often we think our problems are hopeless because we've resolved to make a change. We've resolved to add something into our life. We've resolved to take something away from our life. But but the the problem is not the resolution. The problem is really the routine. And so it's not a hopeless problem because you have the choice to change your routine by the power of Jesus. Can I get an amen? (laughs) I just want to make sure you're still with me. So observe your patterns, because God doesn't bless poor patterns. God doesn't bless poor patterns. I hung out with some friends from high school last night for my birthday. I turned 40, um, which is, yeah, thank you for that. Um, uh, so I hung out with some of my old friends, and I don't, none of them are Christians. Um, so it was a chance for me to, to witness to these guys. And I was talking to one of them because one of them, even though he's not a Christian, he doesn't really, he says he believes in God, but he's not a Christian. He still loves Jesus. Jesus sounds like a great guy. He doesn't love the church though. That's, that's his problem. Because his wife, when she was younger, she fell in with the wrong crowd at church and they were doing some things. And the mom, her, there was some, some uh, people in the church that were speaking against her. And so the mom took that this girl, this, she was a girl at the time, took her to the pastor and expected the pastor to kind of be a mediator between the two. And instead of the pastor being a mediator, the pastor was more of an accuser, telling her what she did wrong and that she shouldn't be with these people and that she's, she's just, that's not the type of church we are. If you're new here, I'm not going to judge you. This is not a judgmental church. We are a church that is more like a hospital for the broken than a club for the members. So even though we do have a membership, we, this is a place where we, we want to come and we want to help you find Jesus and we want to help you get healthy and, and follow Jesus and do what he's called for you to do in his life. That's the type of church we are. And so we are, we are a, a people that want to that love, love people. We want to love people. Um, and so, anyways, they ended up leaving the church. And, and so many churches are saying, oh, well, well, God is not blessing our church. But, but maybe the church has a pattern of, of being judgmental. And maybe that's really, it's, it's not the, the, that God's not blessing your church. He wants to bless your church. But every time a new person comes into the church, you judge them right back out the door. And so we want to say that God can, God can bless better patterns in our life. For some of us, um, we might say, I'm not a morning person, right? Anybody would say, would anybody say that? I'm not a morning person. I would probably say that. I mean, it's hard to function before 7.30 or so. Um, so, you know, I'm not necessarily a morning person. And that's, that's, my, that's my statement. But then I go back and I look at my routine. And what was my routine? And maybe I watched TV too late because I wanted to watch another episode of 100 um, or maybe I wanted to, to stay, I drank some caffeinated beverage, or, or maybe I, had wor- I was wor- caught worried about all the things that I didn't do or that needed to be done. Um, maybe I didn't set out my clothes the night before, and then I wake up and I'm tired and I'm not ready and I'm having to scramble and I say that I'm not a morning person. It, like with some of us, we say we're not a morning person like it's an ethnicity. Like I'm not a morning person and I'm white or, or something, you know, like it, it, that we have the choice to change things. And a lot of times the, the change that we need is not in our resolution. The change that we need is in our routines. 
Some of us, we have a pattern of, of crashing the commitments in our lives. And, and our mouths keep writing um, checks that our character can't cash. And so we're, we're trying to, to say we can do all these things, but, but each time something comes, something better comes in the way, then, hey, we're going to go with that. Hey, I made this, this resolution, I made this commitment to you that I'm going to do this, but then my mom called me and she need, I needed, needed for me to go help her move, and so I went and helped her move, and then I didn't have time for your thing. And, and then it, it really is about integrity. Am I going to be, am I going to have integrity in the commitments that I make, or am I going to allow things to pull me off track and to, to not do what God has called me to do? So we've got to observe our patterns. Um, sometimes the, the problem is, is a, a problem that, that, that Jesus talked about. Jesus talked about the pattern of this world. In Romans 12.1, it says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When Jesus went out into the wilderness, the, the devil tested him with three temptations. He said, turn the stone into bread. That was the, his first temptation. The second one was um, to, to, to throw yourself off the temple. Because then Jesus would, would be in front of all these people and all these people would, would see Jesus throwing himself off the temple and then angels would come and hold Jesus up and that would be really good, good for his, his uh, popularity campaign. That would be really good for his, his Jesus campaign. Um, but Jesus, and then the, the third temptation was for him to go up and, and see all the, the things of the world and to be able to, for the, the devil said, if you worship me, I'll give you all these things. Well, the pattern of this world, I think, is found in those temptations. That's, that, that it's, it's the lust of the flesh. The, the lust, this is in 1 John 2. The lust of the flesh. It's just, hey, I wanted that. I wanted to turn stones into bread so that I could feed whatever my, my impulse, whatever my nature is at the time. Maybe it's Ben and Jerry's. Maybe it's, you know, whatever it is for you at that moment. That's the lust of the flesh. And then, then Jesus, he, he said, hey, throw yourself up, um, throw yourself off the, the temple. This is really what, what 1 John 2 says is the lust of the eyes. It's, it's hey, I want to go and, and see all these people give me validation and tell me how, how great I am. And, and then the third one is, is, hey, Jesus, if you worship me, I'll give you all of these things. That's the pride of life, that we would set ourselves up above even God to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to be the God. I'm going to be the one that, that calls the shots. And this is the pattern of this world that would drag us down and, and, and stop us from being who God has called us to be. But, but we don't want to follow that. We want to follow the pattern that God would set for us. And I believe in Luke 14, God is calling us to a new kind of pattern, to, make, to not just momentary decisions and more than just the seasons, trying to catch hold of the seasons, but to to schedule our planning, to say, you know what? I'm going to take time throughout my week to trust God that if I spend time with God, hear from him, and then do some things because of that, that God is going to bless me because of that. So often we don't live at the level of our potential. We live at the level of our preparation. We are living at the level of, of how we are being prepared. And so we're not prepared for the commitments when they come because every commitment has a cost. Every commitment has a cost. When I say something to you, I'm writing the check with my mouth. 
And I've got to be able to cash that with my actions to say I'm going to respond. So that needs, means I need to be careful about the, my commitments. I need to be careful about what I say because I've got to ask myself first, can I actually follow through on this commitment? Every commitment has a cost. And so I've got to take time to say, do I have the time to fulfill this commitment? That's the cost. The cost is taking some time, look, open, opening your phone and looking at your calendar, however you do it, maybe you have a planner, daily planner, whatever, taking some time weekly, even daily to say, okay, God, what are you calling me to do? What are the commitments that I made? And how are you calling me to, to faithfully fulfill those commitments? That's the cost for that. Because we can't live up to our commitments without the cost. Like I said, most of us are not performing at the level of our potential. We're performing at the level of our preparation. Today, Preparation is not celebrated today. We live in a day of instant validation and instant outrage. We want instant validation that as soon as I post this, that I'm going to get validation for, for what, I, for what I, I said or what I did. And we live in an age of instant outrage that something outrages us and immediately we go to Facebook or we go to Twitter and we post it and for the world to see. There's not any, any buffer time for reflection or there's no filter in our lives. Instead, we're just taking time to, to say whatever we want. And if we're not careful, we can take that mindset to our, our work and to what we do. And say, I'm expecting not only instant validation and instant outrage, but I'm expecting instant results. And then we don't learn how to be able to, to live up to the level of, of our preparation and live up to the level of our potential because of our preparation. That we need to be able to say, okay, here's what I want to do. Every meaningful thing in your life is something you're going to have to work for. Marriage, if you want a great marriage, you're going to have to work for that. That's going to take preparation. I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to need to get, be prepared to, in my life to be able to receive a spouse. That I'm going to be prepared. So they go through premarital counseling to be able to, to get that spouse. Or if you want to have a great finances, that's going to take preparation in your life. You're going to have to stop every so often and look at your finances and say, are you following the budget? Every so often, you're going to have to take time to, to build friendships. You know, take whatever you want. Your career, that's going to take preparation. We've got to live in a, to our potential through our preparation. Um, this is true for me. I mean, you expected me to come up here and, and prepare to preach to you. How would you like it if I just came up here and said, okay, hey, um, so I didn't prepare. What do you guys want to talk about today? Anybody got some good ideas? Anything you want to talk about? No. You expect me to come up here and prepare. And so I want to prepare this talk for you. This week, it was really hard. We had a bunch of sick people in our house, and we had lights go off because of a windstorm. And, 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 but I, thankfully, I was prepared in advance through all of those different things so that I could, I could come here and I could speak to you. Are you. Now, I'm prepared to preach. Are you prepared to receive? Because last I checked, it's the soil that determines the quality of the seed, of the plant, and how much the seed will grow. If you come here every week not expecting to hear from God, not expecting that God is going to work in your life, then I can preach my little heart out, but nothing is going to change in your life. You've got to be prepared to hear from God because preparation, it's not only true in our, in our personal lives, it's also true in our faith, that we've got to be prepared to receive from God. 
Part of that is, is being prepared for progress in our life. Do you know creativity doesn't thrive in chaos? Creativity needs an underlying structure to be able to, to happen and to be able to, to grow. Too many of us are living in chaotic lives, and so we can't hear from God because we're living with, with urgent demands of everything pressed on us. If I, took, if I was trying to prepare for the last minute for this talk, then I wouldn't be able to hear from God. Some people say, okay, well, why, planning, planning takes, out, takes the God out of the process. No, planning actually has God more in the process when, when God is a part of your planning. Because I can hear better from God when it's a week, two weeks, three weeks, and I don't have the pressure of the urgent demands on me. It's like trying to write a message when I've got a jackhammer right out beside my window. I, I've got to be able to, to have the, the presence and the state of mind that I can hear from God. And too many of us are living lives that are chaotic because we didn't take time away to prepare and to plan for what God wants to do in our lives. And lastly, we've got to trust the process. We've got to, um, we've got to commit to God's purpose. We've got to, I've got to, I had to remember my own message for a second. We've got to commit to God's purpose. We've got to observe um, our patterns. We've got to schedule our planning, and lastly, we've got to trust the process. We've got to count the cost. See what I did there? C-O-S-T? All right. Ah, okay. Well, it wasn't good. Okay. Um, but that's how I want you. I want to craft memorable sermons for you guys, so trying to be creative. I took time. You guys, while you're busy working a real job, I'm thinking, sitting thinking in my office about, how can I make this? How can I use these letters so I can... Anyway, and I only work on Sundays too, right? So... Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> um, but we've got to trust the process. Um, I remember in my life, uh, as, as, as I'm closing the first half of my sermon, just kidding, uh, <laughs> that, uh, that uh, you know, I, I, through my life, I remember um, when, I was, when I was in seminary, I, I was really, I wanted to be a, a pastor of missions. I really wanted to do local mission, international mission, that type of stuff. The one place I didn't want to be is I didn't want to be a youth pastor at a suburban, white, affluent church. That's what I did not want to be. And then my first job out of seminary was as a youth pastor in a white, affluent, suburban church. And so God met me there. And then I didn't want to be a lead pastor because I wanted to be involved in missions and out in the community. And then God called me to plant a church. And then I didn't want to work at Church on the Ridge because it was out, all the way out in Snoqualmie and, I, and that was, seemed rural to me or suburban. I wanted to be in the city. And then God called me out to a rural suburban church and God spoke to me in that moment. He said, Josh, if you don't commit, you won't grow. We've got to be able to commit and we've got to trust God in the process because if we keep running around because grass always seems greener on the other side, the one problem that we, we might be dealing with problems in our external situation, but the problem we won't be dealing with is us. Sometimes if the if your problem is following you from situation to situation to situation, what's the common denominator? It's probably you. And so how do you deal with that? You commit to something. We want you to commit to something this year, even how, no matter how small it is, because God will meet you in the process. Mr. Miyagi won't always tell you why you're painting the fence, but he has a purpose in mind. God has a purpose in mind for you. I'll close with this, with this last um, illustration. Paul uh, was, is a great apostle and wrote 
two-thirds, or either him or somebody he knew wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, one of the greatest missionaries for the Christian faith ever. Paul was praying to go into the province of Asia because he wanted to preach the gospel in the province of Asia. That sounds like a great thing that, that God would want him to do. But the Holy Spirit kept him from going into the province of Asia. And, and why would that happen? Why would God keep Paul from preaching about him somewhere? Wouldn't he open doors everywhere? Well, Paul, when in the midst of just constantly being denied access to Asia for whatever reason, he had a vision of a man from Macedonia. And, the, and in, that, in his dream, in the vision, this man from Macedonia was saying, come over here and help us. And so Paul woke up the next day, and as a follower of Jesus, trusting God, that God was working in his situation, that he was trusting the process, that he had to trust the person in the process, he went up and he went to Macedonia and he preached the gospel. And we know today that now that was one of the two most important moments in Paul's career as a missionary because that opened up the gospel to the West. You and I are here today because of the vision that Paul had of that, that man from Macedonia that, that would open up the gospel to, to, the, to the Western culture. And, and God has a purpose in your life. He's, he's working in your life. And so more than trusting the process, we've got to trust the person. When you, we come to trust Jesus, it's, we don't have to, it's like we're giving him an apartment. And it's not like we don't have to remodel the apartment. We just give the, the apartment to him and say, okay, Jesus, this apartment, this home that is my heart is now yours. And you're going to work in my heart, God. And you're going to be there for me. But Jesus, he loves us right where we are, but he also loves us too much for us to stay there. And so he comes in, and he's going to remodel that apartment. He's going to remodel that home. And he's going to ask us to work with him in that, to take steps of faith, but to trust him in the process that he is good. And more than trusting the process, we've got to trust the person. We've got to trust the person of Jesus Christ, that he loves us, that he's with us, that he's for us, that he's involved in our lives. And if there's nothing else you do this year, trust the person of Jesus Christ, that he will be with you in your life because he loves you and he is for you. 